Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time for these families to dedicate themselves to make disciples of their children. Now, Lord God, as we open your word, we pray for your provision. Holy Spirit, that you would you would speak uh, through me and God speak to hearts in, in supernatural ways as, as we give consideration to to the faith family and how crucial it is to, to our health and, and God to your plan. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I have to confess and get you ready for a little bit for this message. This is it's not a typical Mother's Day message, knowing that we have a lot of folks visiting with us and that sort of thing. I, I'm a little intense this morning, okay? I'm just going to just confess that on the front end, all right? And, and I in no way want to uh, offend anyone, but we, we do need to talk uh, about this subject. And, and I want to encourage you uh, to, to take from the Lord what He has for you out of this. And do not let my intensity in any way distract you from what God has for you and what He's doing. Uh, but as we talk about the importance of being in a faith family where we develop our faith, this is a this is a seriously lacking component amongst many Christians in North America. Uh, we have many who have come to saving faith, uh, but who have not pursued growing that faith. As we've been in this series, if you're visiting with us, we're in this series where we're talking about how we're better together as family, and of course. We know that God has placed us all in in families because of what can and, and adoption, but we also understand that, that God has placed us in a church family where we are, uh, we're expected to grow, and God puts us here so we will grow. Just as God uh, provides for all of us, moms and dads and siblings and others who will come alongside and encourage us in our physical growth, emotional growth, so God puts us in faith families to grow us spiritually. And so we've been talking about this play between nature and nurture. And there's a big argument, you know, is, is it because of nature, is it because of nurture? But we know that there's, there's a huge component of each that makes us who we are. We can't control our nature. What we've inherited from our parents, we have inherited. Most of the men on my mother's side have my hairline, right? And that's just how it goes. And so, you know, God doesn't cover an ugly head, so we give God praise, Right? But we all have these things that are inherited. These are things that, that we have by nature, and we don't control that. But what is nurtured? We have a lot to say about what is nurtured, how we are nurtured, what we put our position ourselves to be nurtured in, how we seek to nurture others. It's very important that we think about this, that we understand what God has called us to do, what God has called us to be, and how it is He has designed it for us to, to grow and to become what God saved us to be through the blood of the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about this, understand there's an intensity within me because there's a concern. I have a very serious concern about the souls of many people who claim to be Christians that are not growing. It would be like seeing a child who wasn't developing. As, as, a, as a position of the soul, I, I have concerns about those souls that are meant by God be given new life and then nurtured and grown. So if some of you, if you, if you had a little one who was not growing and there wasn't strength and there wasn't maturity, you would have very serious concerns and rightfully so. And so I have for many of you because we're made by Christ to grow. 
Now, we're made to grow within a family of faith. That's why we've got to go from thinking me to we. We've got to go from thinking this is all about my preferences and what I want to understanding that we are under the leadership of God and God in His sovereignty has called each and every one of us to be members of a local church. And within that local church, we are responsible for one another. We're better together because together we can grow one another's faith most effectively. We understand, as we've been talking about, that the church is called to be salt and light in a, in a, in a decaying and dark culture. We know that, that God has called us to, to pray for the welfare of our city and to serve the needs of our city. We know that God has called us to, to be ambassadors for His namesake where we live here and now. We can only do that in and as much as we are following Christ we cannot be his ambassadors or we are not faithful to the king. And the king has called us to grow. The king has called us to be a part of his family and to serve his purpose. And so this morning, as we open God's word, what we're going to be looking for and seeking out is to understand how it is God wants us to grow in our faith. And understand, we grow better together in a family faith. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, I laid mine down, so I'm going to go electronic for this service. Take out your Bible and go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. And, uh, and we're going to be looking specifically at that word. Colton Lux is going to be reading for us. So, Colton, can you come up, bud? Thanks, buddy. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And Colton is going to read God's word for us. He's got it highlighted in his Bible. And so, are you guys ready? This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. All right, Colton, go for it, buddy. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you do. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Colton. Great job, buddy. Great job. You would go ahead and be seated. You know, one of the reasons we do that, it's just not because of the cute factor, although is that not precious right there? Um, we, we have children come up and read our scripture because we're a multi-generational church. And our children do not need to see themselves as the church of the future. They need to understand that they're part of the church now. And they have an important role to play in every single person in this room. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have an important role to play in the lives of other believers. And the way God has designated and demanded that that take place is within a church family. It's within a church family that we can fulfill what it is God has saved us to be. Now, one of the reasons why I have an intensity about this topic is because Scripture seems to have a pretty strong intensity about this topic. Because some of the metaphors, one of the metaphors that, that, that I often look to in thinking about spiritual development is, is this metaphor of physical health. I mean, you look at a, at a Scripture like uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24, where under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, only those who run the race according to the rules win the prize. And so there's this picture here that, that we are all who are followers of Jesus Christ, we're in a race. And there are laws that, that we are seek to, to conform ourselves to that we might fulfill God's purpose and gain the ultimate prize that will be found in heaven. He says that we are as these as these believers in Jesus Christ, we're to be like athletes. We're to condition ourselves. We're not to listen to, to our feelings necessarily. We're not just to do what feels comfortable. We are to do what is right, which will often mean we've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to be harsh demands that, that God, for our well-being and His glory, gives to us. 
having been a student of, of, of physical fitness just because of the, the, the years of, of, of engagement and athleticism, there are things I've learned uh, about physical fitness that tie to spiritual fitness. You know, one of the things I have seen is that, is that individuals, they are, they are more capable of being effective in reaching their fitness goals if they do and pursue those goals in a group. You know, where I'm working out right now, there's a group of football players, a football team that's been coming in and working out. Every single morning I'm there, there's a group of guys that are there working out. And it's been amazing to watch them get bigger and stronger. As a matter of fact, one of the guys is telling me, over the last 14 months, he's gained 18 pounds. Now, someone's thinking, I'd like to give away 18 pounds, right? But his isn't mostly like my It's like muscle, right? But that's happened because they encourage one another. They challenge one another. You know, I love seeing these... Uh, boot camps, I think they're called in, in our city. You see all these adults. It was hilarious. Uh, Asher and I were driving the other day after this ball game, and there was a there was a huge group, like 50 adults, and they were rolling around and jumping, and they were all sizes, which which just really astonished the, the jumping and the rolling around that was happening, right? And, and Asher said, Dad, what are they doing? I said, buddy, they're working out. And it was like a car wreck. He couldn't take his eyes off of it, you know? It's like, wow, look at them go. I said, why are they doing that? And I said, buddy, I'm going to explain something to you. I know you can eat whatever you want now, and you can stay thinning, but this is your future, big boy, all right? So you need to get used to the necessity of, of exercise and being mindful. And so that happens best, that happens best in a group, where, where there's those who care for you that are going to challenge you, but, but there also is a need for training. I, as a college athlete, when I play ball, I learn. How, how to exercise and, and how to eat right. And, and, and now there are people that actually hire trainers and people that help them uh, do this very fundamental aspect of physical fitness. That's true as all, the same is true as also in spiritual life. Listen, you need a trainer. You need to hear someone who can teach you the truth of God's Word. And we do that every Sunday when we gather for worship. But we also have connect groups where the Word is discussed. We also have ADF classes, equip classes. All of this is so there can be appropriate training. But all of it has to end in personal accountability to the Lord. Listen, at the end of the day, the person who is going to be physically fit is going to be the person who chooses to do the hard work. And the person who will grow in faith is the person who takes responsibility and says, you know what? I want to be what Jesus died for me to be. I want God to be glorified with my life. I want the world to see what God can do with a sinner that he turns into a saint for his glory. And there must be that personal sense of desire and responsibility to make that happen. And so as a faith family, that's where you get this. You get a group who cares for you, that's walking with you. You get training. You get called to take on personal responsibility for, for your faith. And so it's in this faith family that we build faith better together. And as we look at our text, there's four things that I want you to take note of that need to exist. When there is four things, first one is urgency. When there is urgency, a faith family builds faith better together. Look back in, in uh, verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at the first word there, therefore. You've probably heard this before. But whenever you see the word therefore, you need to look and see what it's there for. And typically, it's, uh, it's pushing back to the context. And the context that we need to understand will create a sense of urgency around this text. Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica. This is one of his first letters, if not the first letter. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned. He's writing to a church where they have heard the gospel and many have been saved. But now there were religious professionals who had come through and were lying to that church. 
And so they were being deceived in a, in a culture that did not care too much for their unique faith claims that revolved around Jesus Christ. And so now the Apostle Paul, in concern for them, is writing this letter. And if you look at the context, the context of this message in verse 11 is the context of the return of the Lord. And he's telling these folks, be mindful of that. Jesus is coming back. And for you, that is a great blessing. And we can encourage one another with these words. But for those who do not believe, this is, this is bad news. Because the wrath of God will be revealed against all lawlessness. And so he speaks of that very serious reality. That, that we are in a situation where, where there is war. Leslie Newbigin is, is a missiologist that I've been reading for years. And he spoke so 50 years ago. Look what he said. This is almost 50 years ago. Secular society is an area already occupied by other gods. We have a battle on our hands. We are dealing with principalities and powers. He was speaking of the situation in North America almost 50 years ago. Think about what, what was happening then and what's happening now. The challenge is greater than it's ever been. We need to wake up to the reality that we are in a war situation. This is a spiritual battlefield, and that's why it's so hard. Listen, if it is not a challenge for you to live a godly life and to raise a godly family and be a part of a godly church, you're probably not doing it right. There are principalities that are at work to keep us from becoming what God has designed us to be. And so to pursue and recover God's design, we're, we're going to have to war, have a wartime mentality, which means we've got to think not only defensively, but we also have to think offensively. Uh, defensively, we need to be thinking about what Paul said to the church out of Ephesians and Ephesians 4, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Friends, we've got to grow up. we got to understand that the world is lying to us. The messages that we are receiving from the secular culture are not accurate. God has spoken in His Word, and this is truth. And we've got to know this truth. Otherwise, you're just going to be tossed about by every kind of phase that whatever culture happens to be going through. And right now, we're going through a tough phase. And so we need to understand the world we're living in. Let me tell you some things that I do. Listen, I'm in no way perfect, and I have my own battles, and I'm fighting those to the best of my ability. But there are things that I lean on that help me. And to understand culture, there's something I've been listening to for the last two years, and I have yet to find one thing I disagree with. As a matter of fact, every single week I hear something and see something I would have known and no other way been able to discover and know that was happening in our society, in our world. And here's what it is. It's a, it's a podcast. It's called The Briefing. It's by Dr. Al Mohler, the president of the Southern Seminary. You can get this on Facebook. You can get this on a podcast. I listen to it every single morning. He distributes this every morning at 4 a.m. I don't know when the guy sleeps. I don't care. I'm just thankful that it's out every morning, right? God will take care of him. He's a strong believer. But I'm telling you, every morning, I'm up a little after 5, and I'm listening. Most of the time, I'm, he's, he's in my ears when I'm running. And I'm hearing things that are going on in our culture that lead me to prayer and also, though, give me a biblical perspective to understand what has happened. I listen to him, I, I, I study God's word, and, and, and I pray. I, I pray, first and foremost, I've got to be honest with you guys, I pray for me. Because I know how, how easily I am deceived. And I know, I know, that if I fail and if I fall, it's not just going to hurt me, it's going to hurt me and you. And 
And I in no way want to be your excuse as to why you disobey God. I'm also mindful of the reality of my profession. It provides specific challenges. Sixteen years ago when I became your pastor, I was invited to a group of young pastors, a meeting uh, amongst young men who were beginning their, their time in ministry as senior pastors. And I found out last week that one of those men had, had just resigned his church that he had been at for 16 years. There's not been any known sin. There doesn't appear to be any kind of issues that cause his termination. His response was, he just burned out. And friends, I don't want to burn out. And so I pray every day that I'll be faithful to his word and I'll care for my soul. And I do that not only for me, but also for you. And I'm mindful for the need to have your prayers for me, that we be praying for one another. And I'm also mindful that, that uh, the best defense is a good offense. Here's the deal. If their offense isn't on the field, they can't score. As long as we handle the ball right and we stay on the field and drive on offense, that's the best kind of defense there is. And so we need to have a good offense. And that's why every single day, except Sunday, I have a specific call to prayer. And I asked you guys to join me in this some time ago. I don't know how many of you are continuing to do this. But at 10.02 a.m. every day, I stop whatever I'm doing and I pray Luke 10.2. Look at Luke 10.2, what it says. Jesus said to them, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest uh, to send out laborers into his harvest. And so the Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ, is calling us to go out and make disciples. I pray that for you and for me every day at 10.02 a.m. I want to encourage you to do the same. If you can't do it at 10.02 a.m., do it at 10.02 p.m. And then not only pray for this, pray that you'll be the answer to this prayer. Pray that you will be the ones who go and who are on offense sharing the gospel in this dark world. You know, part of this this offensive understanding is to see that not only are we to preach the gospel, but we're to live it. So oftentimes there are people who make a mistake on either side. There are those who say, oh, I don't, I don't share the gospel, I show it. And there are those who say, oh, I don't really show the gospel so much as I share it. Jesus has not given us an option. We are to show and to share the gospel. We're to understand that we are exiles here, that God has called us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. We are to make disciples. And there are many families that I could point to that are models of this. But one of the families I'm mindful of right now is a family who were, they were in this baptistry last Sunday baptizing their daughter. And that at 11 o'clock, they were over in the chapel baptizing uh, another young adult. This is the Perry family, Sean and Natalie Perry. And they are seeking to live out the gospel in their home. And, and, and just recently, uh, this sweet one came to Saving Faith and she was baptized last week. But let me tell you something. Not only are they sharing the gospel with their children, but they have sought to make disciples in our city. And they have, they have been used by God to lead so many young adults to Saving Faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, one of the men that are on our staff right now, Tyler Whitmer, Pastor Tyler Whitmer, is in many ways a pastor today because Sean told me about the giftedness he saw in him, and we've been investing in him for the past four years, but it was Sean who was discipling him. The, this family is not only going to West Africa to share the gospel to see where God is at work and join them there. They're doing it in their home, and they're doing it in our city, and so should every single one of us. It is not for the special Christians, it's for the ordinary Christians that we all be making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you think about your life that way? I mean, 
do you wake up each day thinking, I'm supposed to lead someone to Jesus today? Do you go to bed at night concerned and, and worried about those that you know that are separated from God? Friends, we need to have an urgency about this. This is serious. You know, I know many of us know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But do you, do you ever look at verses 17 and 18 of John 3? Do you ever think about the, the, the real seriousness of this? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But look at this. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he is not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You understand that we are all born with a sin nature, and anyone who does not claim Christ as their Savior and Lord is already condemned. That condemnation means that at the end of their life, without the grace of God, the wrath of God will be poured out on them for all of eternity. Friends, there's nothing more serious than that. There needs to be an urgency within us to get the word out and to show that word is true by the way that we live. We've got to be serious about this. The second thing we've got to be is humble. Write it down. A, faith, a family of faith builds faith better together when there is humility. So he says, therefore, and then look what he says, encourage one another. It is a proud person who says, I, I don't need other people. I don't need encouragement. Your pride is going to cause your fall. It's a humble, wise person who says, I need every bit of encouragement I can get. I need someone to remind me every day of the realities of the threat that exists for my soul. Don't forget what Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, 1. He said, I, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus was speaking to the original apostles, the 12 disciples, and he's he says, I'm, I've said everything. I'm teaching you because there's a very real possibility that you will fall away. Now, let's understand theologically that our salvation is in the hands of God and He perseveres. And so, genuinely redeemed people will persevere because of the work of God. But what we will do, what some of God's children do, is we fall away from walking the path that our Lord has set. And some of you are in that very position right now. You are not in the will of God if you know it. You are not living in obedience to your God. You are living in obedience to your pleasure or to seek out power or to get some popularity or to, or to obtain some possessions. You need to repent. And you need to get your life under the leadership of Jesus Christ and honor Him as Lord. And to those of you who are walking, humble yourself and understand there's a very real possibility that you are going to fall away. Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He talks about how important it is that we restore one another. But look what he says here in Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself lest you too be tempted. We are responsible for one another. And we need to humbly receive leadership. And we need to humbly give leadership. You often wonder how many of the disciples of Jesus and how many of the people that Jesus ministered to over the years were shocked to find out that Judas Iscariot had turned against Jesus. Don't forget, 
Judas was basically the chairman of the trustees of the disciples. Don't forget, he was present at almost every major miracle that Jesus performed. Don't forget that he was one of the ones who were, he was a spokesperson for the kingdom of God under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And yet he was a man of perdition. He was a man who turned against God Almighty. Remember what Jesus said, and let this strike a little fear into your soul. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If you are not doing the will of your Father who is in heaven, you should be terrified today. If you are not living in obedience to Christ, and if you're not growing, wake up, child of God. And if you are not a child of God, wake up and be saved before it's too late. Our God is gracious, but He is holy and He is just. And He will not be made a fool of. And we need to respect that. We need to be humbled by that. There needs to be urgency. There needs to be humility. A fourth thing, there needs to be a sense of responsibility. It says, and build one another up. We have a responsibility to build one another up in the Lord. Now, that happens first and foremost, especially for children in the home. We have a, a way of ministry here. It's not a program. It's a way of ministry. It's a, it's a fundamental understanding of family. And we call it family discipleship. And we talk about it. We teach it. This morning, you experience a sense of family discipleship here in Living Hope. We talk about it in three ways. We talk about time, moments, and milestones. We are constantly speaking to our parents about redeeming the time that you have. Listen, I've got a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old, and I feel like they should be three. Sometimes they act like they are, but they're not. I can't believe that I'm as old as I am, and they are as old as they are. It has happened in a blink of an eye. Some of you are nodding because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, some of you are right here in the middle of it, and sometimes you can't wait for it to be over, and I get that. I'm still in it, too. I do have a 10-year-old, so I feel your pain. I don't have to change diapers anymore. Woo! Then we change in mind before long. I have a feeling. That's how it goes. Circle of life thing. You guys get to redeem the time. You know, what's sacred time at your home? My wife decided a long time ago, she knew I would be working long hours. She's always known that. The one of the things that she decided a long time ago, and I've not fought her on, is we eat dinner together. And we use that time to catch up, but also to pray. And again, it's not always this hyper-spiritual time. It's really just a time to connect and be, be mindful of how good God has been to us. We, we know in our home, Sunday morning is for the Lord. My, my older children serve, and then we worship. They often worship here. Sometimes they worship in the chapel. But, but understand, there is a sense of the time that we're giving to God. It's His. But then there's also these moments, these times when we plan special times to be together, to talk of the things of God, to celebrate one another. And then there are milestones. Today you experience the first milestone of nine milestones that we teach parents in the first 18 years of a child's life. And that first milestone is family dedication. It's when a family says, we will make disciples of our children. 
And we ask God to enable us to fulfill His plan according to His promise and His word. And then we as a church family, as you know, just a moment ago, we said we would join in one another in this. Just last week, we had our, our graduates up here, and we commissioned them into adulthood. That's the last of the 18. I'm sorry, of the nine in their first 18 years. And so there is a way of life that we must take responsibility for. If you are a parent, you are the primary disciple maker of your children. If they are calling the shots as to whether or not they are in church or not, you are not doing your job. This morning, one of our pastors is praying about the drug problem he had as a child. His mother drugged him to church every Sunday. All of our children need that problem in their life. Because you never know when the Spirit of God is going to, to move and to allow them to wake up to the reality of the gospel. Not only do we have a responsibility to our children, we have a responsibility to one another. Guys, we have what we call a disciples' pathway here. And this isn't anything we came up with. This is in the Bible. Jesus calls us to be worshipers, so we worship. Jesus has called us to be family, so we connect. Jesus has called us to be servants, so we serve. Jesus called us to be learners, so we equip. Jesus has called us to be missionaries, so we multiply. But I want you to understand something that's going on in our church. And I want you to understand why. We do not take attendance during our Sunday morning worship hours. And here's why. I would love to, but I know that 80% of you won't do it, right? This is how we roll a living hope, all right? I would love to take roll, but that's never worked. But we still have a responsibility for you. And you've also made a commitment to us, if you're a member of this church. And what you have said is, is that you will choose to be shepherded and you will choose to commit and be a part of our family of faith. And so if you're not connected in a significant way, we cannot know if you are actually continuing on with us. We don't take role in our worship times, but we do take role as to those who are serving, those who are in connect groups, those who are in ABS, those who are in our children's classes. And here's what I want to say to you. If you're not connected in our church, if you're a member, but you're not connected outside of worship, you're going to hear from us. Please don't be offended by that. Please be, be thankful. Because what we're saying to you is that we love you. And we are taking responsibility for you to make sure that you're not a person that has drifted away, fallen away from the Lord. Because it's easy to fall away. And if all you're doing is showing up here in a large gathering on Sunday morning for one hour and leaving, there's no way we can shepherd you. And there's no way you can be making the impact on the lives of other believers that are in your church family that God has called you to. So please, take your, your responsibilities seriously. Have humility. Have, have a, a sense of urgency. And then last, make sure there is consistency. A family of faith builds faith better together when there is consistency. It says, just as you are doing. Listen, we need to create a regular system in our life. I know it doesn't look like it, but I work out regularly. And back in the winter, I got this terrible cough that lasted for like a month. How many of you got the cough that lasted like a month back in the... Isn't that terrible? We need to pray against stuff like that. We'll start it next fall. That was terrible. John Mark, you got it. I remember you coughed your brains out. We're in elder meetings coughing together. We love each other. We share each other's coughs. 
But I was I was supposed to be working out, so I missed workouts for two or three weeks. And you know what happened when I went back to work out? I wasn't as strong as I used to be. Not that I was that strong to begin with, but I, I couldn't do what I was doing before. And this really got me mad. About 12 hours after I did the workout that I'd been doing for several weeks, my muscles were so sore. It was embarrassing. I mean, I was getting in the Jeep driving. I was thinking, I hope I can lift my arms to drive this car. See, what happens when you don't work out is you get weaker. And when you do work out, your body gets sore because you haven't been doing it faithfully. You know what happens spiritually when you don't live in obedience to God and you try to just jump back in? You're not nearly as strong as you're supposed to be. And then there's actually a soreness that is associated with it. I cannot tell you how many times people have gotten away from the Lord and came to a worship service like this today, and rather than humbling themselves and saying, you know what, I need to get my life right. I need to walk with the Lord. The soreness, they're going to get upset and they're going to say, I don't want to feel this soreness. This didn't make me feel comfortable. Why would I go to church to be told that I need to up my game? I just came to church so I could feel better about myself. Listen, you can't go to a gym once a month and walk in and walk out feeling better about yourself. That's not how it works. You can't make a New Year's resolution and do it for like four weeks, even if you buy the spandex, which you shouldn't. It's not going to get you in shape. Day in, day out. Week in, week out. You want to be faithful to what God's called you to? It's going to take daily discipline. It's going to require commitment. There's going to need to be urgency. There's going to need to be humility. There's going to need to be this, this responsibility that you have, not just for yourself, but for your family and your church family. And there, there's going to have to be consistency of living it out. And there, was, there needs to always be a very real sense of fear that the enemy is after you. And someone who walked with Jesus for three years and saw every miracle and heard every sermon could fall away. So could you and I. And we need to do everything we can to live in this wartime period faithfully to God. Now, here's what I know. Some of you need to make some commitments today. Some of you need to say, you know what, God, I need to up my game. I've not been faithful. I've not been responsible. I've not been urgent. I've not been humble. I've not been serious about this. And I'm, 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 I am going to be faithful in this. Some of you have never accepted Christ. And I'm going to, I'm going to remind you what, what John 3, 16 through 18 says, is that you, you are already condemned until you believe in Jesus. And you need to, for the glory of God, out of fear for Him, and, and respect for His love for you to send His Son to die for your sin. You need today to receive His forgiveness and gain His new life to be saved. But I also know there are many of us today who are very aware of individuals and couples and families who have fallen away, who are not faithful to the Lord. And when they need us to pray for them and to love them back into the fold. And so I want to invite you to come and pray for them today. Let's stand together and pray. Lord God, you've given us 10,000 reasons for our hearts to find reasons to give blessings from our soul to you. So we're going to sing of that now. And God, we want to ask that during this time that we would be faithful to say yes to whatever it is you've stirred in us today.
I know some today need to come and say, Lord, I, I need to up my game. I need to be responsible. I need to be consistent. I need to be humble. I need to be more urgent. Others just need to be saved. They just need to come and get on their knees before you and ask for your forgiveness and their belief in Jesus Christ for salvation. And then others that need to pray for those they love and care for and are concerned about. God, hear the prayers of your people as we sing praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen.